In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the sixth Sunday of the Holy 50 Days. Next week actually is the Feast of the Pentecost, which is the last day of the Holy 50 Days, and we start the Apostles' Fast. Um, so today in the readings, um, we read again about the very extended dialogue and conversation that Christ had uh, with his apostles before his crucifixion. And in this dialogue, Christ is trying to... <coughs> is trying to prepare his apostles for what is to come, namely his crucifixion. They lived with him for three years, and none of them fully understood what it is that his mission was. They had different ideas about it, but they didn't fully understand the extent that he was going to die and then be resurrected from the dead. Even after uh, he resurrected from the dead, they told him, are you now going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Meaning, are you going to come and bring this... Uh, political reign of the Jews and free them from the Romans, they still didn't understand, even after the resurrection itself, until the Holy Spirit came. When the Holy Spirit came, they had a deeper understanding of what it is that they were doing, and they went out and preached to the world and converted the whole world to Christianity. But here in this conversation, he is probably trying to prepare them for what is it they should expect. What is it that they should expect? He says in John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. He wanted them to have peace. He wanted them to not be shaken by the events that were about to happen, namely that he was going to be killed. Obviously, this is going to be something that's going to scatter them or, 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 or make them doubt what, who he is or what it is that they've been doing. And so he wanted to prepare them and set the right expectation uh, from the beginning. And this is one thing that we struggle with with God sometimes, is that we have unmet expectations from God. We have a certain expectation of what is it that I expect God to do, or what is it that I expect to happen to me in my life. And if these things don't happen according to what my expectations are, then I can become disillusioned or disappointed. We also have um, unmet expectations from other people. Uh, other people in my family or friends or spouse that we expect that they would treat us a certain way or expect that they would do certain actions. And if they don't meet our expectations, then we become disappointed. So um, today I want to speak briefly about some unmet expectations and, and maybe what are the source of some unmet expectations and what is our, um, our reactions to them. So the first I'm going to speak about the unmet expectations from God. And we see many examples in the scriptures where people had these unmet expectations from God. We see in the example of the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son, the older brother, the brother of the prodigal son, well, he is the one who was the, the good brother. He was the one who didn't go and waste um, all of his father's possessions on prodigal living, and he remained with his father, serving his father. And yet when the younger son, the one who went out and wasted all of his father's inheritance, he came back, we see um, there is a different kind of spirit inside the, the older brother. In Luke 15, we read about him, and he's saying to his father out of frustration and anger, that the father is rejoicing because his younger brother has returned. He says, I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. What was the, the wrong expectation that this man had? The wrong expectation was he felt that he was owed something. He felt that because he had worked and he had been faithful and he lived with his father and he didn't waste his father's things like his younger brother did, that somehow he was deserving of a reward, 
that there is something extra that he should receive. He's saying, you haven't even given me a young goat. You haven't given me a celebration the way you have given a celebration uh, for, for my younger brother. And so this kind of tells us about what, what is it that I should expect from God? If I live faithfully, if I live with God, if I live as a servant of God, if I serve Him and I serve other people, am I going to expect from God that He's going to throw me a party? Am I going to expect from God that He's going to reward me with so many physical things in the world? What if I am a servant of God and I serve faithfully and I don't receive any of these things? You know, St. Paul actually is a, is a perfect example of someone who served God and dedicated and sacrificed his entire life for God. But what did he receive in the world? He received no comfort. He received suffering. He received martyrdom. He, he received homelessness. He received so many things that, that, that maybe when we would look at them, we would say, I would have never chosen this life. I would have never chosen that this is the way that I want to live. So God never gave him this this kind of physical reward that we would maybe expect and that what this older brother expected. What was the reward that the older brother had? The reward of the older brother was simply that he got to live in his father's house. The fact that he was with the father. And this is the same is true for us. The greatest reward that God can give us is himself, is his presence. Not money and not relationships and not health and not other things, but simply the presence of God with us is the greatest reward that we can have. And so maybe we have this unmet expectation. We're expecting that God is to reward us with some external thing. He's going to reward us with some, some external item or gift or, or relationship or health or money or whatever it is that we think that this is our reward. And when we don't receive this, people will say, you know what, I've been faithful and I've prayed and I've fasted and I've confessed and yet God has not given me X, whatever, whatever it is. But again, this reflects in us maybe a wrong expectation of God, that He is going to give us something like this. This is not necessarily the way that God chooses to reward us. But the way that for sure we will be rewarded when we are faithful with God is that we will be in the presence of God <coughs> and that we will experience His presence. When, when God was speaking to Abraham, He told Abraham, I am your exceedingly great reward. I am your exceedingly great reward. Not just the generations of offspring that is going to come, not the land that I'm going to give you, but I myself am the exceedingly great reward. So we have to calibrate our minds to this and understand like this is what we should be expecting from God. The closeness that comes from, from being with God is the reward for serving Him, the enjoyment of being with God. After all, this is what we will expect in heaven. In heaven, we will have no other reward. There is no other thing that we will receive in heaven except intimacy with God and union with God. So if this is not sufficient for us, then we are, you know, we're, this, this is the only thing actually that we're going to have in heaven. So this is the first unmet expectation we might have, is that God will reward us in a way that He has not promised and with something that He has not said. Another ex unmet expectation we see uh, in the parable of the workers of the vineyard. In this parable, many different workers are called by the, by the landowner, by the vineyard owner to come into work at different hours of the day. First, he comes to those who are at the first hour and he calls them to, 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 to serve and to work in his vineyard. And he agrees with them that he's going to give them a denarius for their labor. And then he goes out again on the third hour and he gets more workers to come and work for him. And then again at the sixth hour <coughs> and the ninth hour and, the, and finally uh, the eleventh hour. And, and, and so, the, the workers that came later in the day, they didn't 
know how much they were going to get paid because they never agreed with the landowner on how much they were going to be paid. All we know is that the first hour workers agreed that they were going to receive a denarius for their entire day's work and they worked an entire day. But those who were hired at the end of the day, at the 11th hour, they only worked for one hour. They only worked for a very little amount of time. And so when the, vineyard, the, the, the landowner came to reward and to pay all of the workers, he ended up paying them all the same. All of them received a denarius. And those who came at the very beginning of the day were grumbling. And they said, how come we worked an entire day and you gave us a denarius? And yet those people who came at the very end of the day and you also gave them a denarius, shouldn't we have received more than them? It says in Matthew 20, those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. This is the first hour workers complaining. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. So another maybe unmet expectation that we have is that we believe that the better we work and the more we work, again, that God is going to grant us uh, better salvation, that God is going to look highly upon us simply because of the work that we did. But what was the problem with these first hour workers? The problem with them wasn't because they didn't work. Actually, they worked very well and God would reward those who work. The problem was is that they grumbled against the salvation of others. They didn't, they, they, they felt that they were better than the others because they worked more. And this is a problem we have sometimes, is we believe that those of us who have worked the most, those of us who have prayed the most, those of us who have been orthodox the most, those of us who have come to church the most, that somehow we deserve better than other people that have not been in the church or done as much as we have. And I'm not trying to say that God doesn't reward our works, He does. But at the same time, He only will reward us if our heart is merciful to those people who are around us. Maybe other people, they have different problems, they come to church late in their life, or they come to God later in their life, or they struggle with sins of one kind or the other. And we, it's easy for us to judge. It's easy for us to judge other people. And here, these first hour workers, they judged the workers that came later. Maybe they looked at them and said, you are lazy workers. Why didn't you come early in the morning and come and, 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 and be available to work so that you could be chosen? Why did you wait until the very end of the day so that you would come and be chosen? Or maybe there was something wrong with them that people didn't want to hire them for work. Whatever the reason might be, the idea is that the first hour workers thought that they were better than the others. And sometimes this is what we believe. We believe that we are better than the others and we deserve, we, we deserve better than the others. And so we have this expectation that somehow God is going to give us the best and that God is going to reject everyone else. But actually maybe we find in examples like in the scriptures when Christ speaks about the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. The Pharisee is the righteous man. The Pharisee is the man who obeys the law and fulfills everything. But he is self-righteous. and He believes himself to be better than the others. The tax collector is a sinful man, but he comes and beats his chest in prayer, asking God to forgive him. So who is it that was justified before God in this prayer? It was the tax collector, the one who did not um, have all of these good works to show, but he had a repentant heart. So again, we have to understand, do we have a wrong expectation about how God is going to reward us? Another example of, un of unmet expectations is those people who on Hosanna Sunday, on Palm Sunday, when Christ came into Jerusalem, they're the ones who are yelling, Hosanna. They're the ones who are treating God or tr treating Jesus as though he was in fact the Messiah, as though he was in fact God. And they were asking what? Save us. This is what Hosanna means. Hosanna is, is something that you call out to like a king and you say, save us. 
He's, they're seeing him as a king, and, and they're telling him to, to save the people. And in, in Matthew 21, verse 9, this is what, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And why did they say this? They say this again because they had a wrong expectation. They believed that Christ was coming to restore the kingdom, meaning that he was coming to give military superiority to the Jews so they could overcome their enemies and reestablish the king of David. That's why they called him the son of David. They called him the son of David because they, they believed that he was going to restore the kingdom of David again on the earth. Okay, So what are, what are some of the wrong expectations they had? One is they believed that the work of God is only in the moment. They believe that, that, that every prayer has to be answered immediately. That there isn't a plan that God has for the future, and that this plan is greater than the plan that maybe I have in my own mind. Maybe I believe that something is good, and I ask God for it, and I ask God for it for years, and it doesn't come. And I don't understand why it is, and I become bitter toward God because of this. But actually, if we really have faith in God, then we have faith that God has a plan, and His plan is greater and better than our plan, and very likely will not happen instantly, but will take a long time for it to come to pass. And this is the problem, is that these people wanted an immediate savior. In the sense, they wanted Him to come and to save them physically, and they believed that this was the best kind of salvation that they should receive, and that this is what the, the role of the Messiah was from the very beginning, from history, through the prophecies, that this is what the Messiah was, was to come to do. And yet, what the Messiah actually came to do was to grant them something far greater than victory over their enemies and the world, but victory over death itself. And this isn't something they could comprehend or understand. Victory over death. So, so God is actually coming to offer them something more and greater than what it is that they were expecting. So often, whenever we are disappointed with God, because He did not give us something that we wanted, He is actually giving us something greater than what we wanted. But we just don't understand it yet. We don't see it yet. Okay? So that's, that's another example of unmet expectations. We also have a lot of unmet expectations from people. You know, we, we talked a little bit about some unmet expectations we might have from God. We also have unmet expectations from people. Okay? We, we all want to believe the best about each other, and we all want to believe that the people that I'm with are going to treat me well, and are going to give me the things that I care about and the things that I want. But sometimes our views of other people are unrealistic. Sometimes we, we imagine that certain people are going to fill our needs to such an extent that when they fail to do so, we become frustrated or angry, and we, 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 we even can sever the relationship. But we have to ask ourselves, is it because the other person was really not faithful to me, or is it maybe because the expectation that I put on them was unrealistic? What are some of the expectations that I have on my spouse? Sometimes people, especially when going into marriage, they believe that their spouse is going to fulfill every need, and every moment of loneliness that they, that they ever felt, and every moment of weakness, and every moment of low self-esteem that they ever experienced, and in every way that this person is going to fill me and satisfy me and make me whole and, and, and complete me and all these things that we say. But actually, this is not true. You have two people that have their own weaknesses that are coming to be united together. And it's not to say that they cannot encourage and help one another. Yes, that's true. But in, in other ways, they will also hurt each other. Not intentionally but it's what is going to happen. And so when you have these two people that are being united together, we have to understand that yes, there will be pain, 
and they will be hurt even if it is not intentional. And so I have to have a right expectation of this, that this is something that is inevitable, that is going to happen. And it doesn't mean that we don't grow, and it doesn't mean that we don't apologize and we forgive. And yes, this is a huge part of relationship. This is why reconciliation in marriage is such a critical thing, because inevitably there will be conflict. Inevitably there will be pain and suffering and these things. So I have to have a right expectation. I'm, I, I love the other person, not because they treat me well, I love the other person simply because this is the commandment of God and I have made this commitment to do so. When I, when, I, when, I, when I commit myself to being married, I'm committing myself to love the other person unconditionally. Also, I might have uh, unrealistic expectations uh, with my children. I might expect too many things from them. I, I might expect my children can be perfect. I might expect my children sh can, can attain such a high level of obedience or a high level of of, of, of whatever it is that I have my vision for them to be at an un, unrealistically. For instance, some parents are never happy with the grades that their children get. They're always pushing their kids to get even higher grades. And even if they're getting A's, no, they should get even higher A's. Some people are, on, are, are unrealistic with their children because they want them to be very good at certain activities that they care about. They want them to be very good at sports, for instance. What if my child is not good at sports? And I want them to be good at sports. And I push them, and I push them, and I push them. What if my child, he wants to be, or she wants to be uh, a certain profession? And this profession, I really don't like this profession. And But this is the profession that my child is good at and enjoys. And the things that I want them to be, they do not like, and they do not enjoy, and they don't want to do. So is it realistic for me to push them to do something that they do not enjoy to do? And, 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 and in the end, they might fail at it or they might live a miserable life because of it. Or should I say, well, no, this is maybe the gifts that God has given this person. And so I will support them because this is what God wants them and has encouraged them and has given them the gifts to do. Now, I'm not saying this is as a blanket statement to say that any time a child says, oh, I want to do this or this, that we say, oh, OK, go ahead and do it. No, I mean, we have to make sure they understand what they're getting into and we have to educate them what is the future of this career look like and so on. But if a person knowing full well what they're getting into decides that this is the thing that I enjoy doing and what I want to do, uh, who are we to stand in front of them? What are my expectations of friends? Oftentimes, we, we, we believe that there's a certain person that I can trust so much and that this person is never going to betray me and never going to gossip about me and never going to say anything bad about me. And yet we find that sometimes it happens. We find even in ourselves that sometimes we do these things ab about other people who are our friends. And this is kind of another aspect of this is sometimes I expect better from them than I actually like do myself. You know, I, I expect that my friend is going to never say anything bad about me, never disagree with me, never, you know, treat me in a way that hurts me at all. But, it, but it's going to happen. What is my reaction when it happens? Am I so disappointed that I want to end the friendship? Or do I understand that this is actually a part of friendship? What are my expectations of people in the church or servants? Some people say, you know what, if I go to the church and there's any single person at all that treats me in a bad way or says a bad word or does anything wrong, then I'm offended because this is the church. And in the church, everyone has to be holy. And if the, in the church, everyone has to be like a saint. But this is true. This is what we want to be. But it doesn't mean that we're there. It doesn't mean that we've achieved that. This is why we come to church, because we want forgiveness of our sins. So we shouldn't come to church expecting that everyone is going to be perfect. This is an unrealistic expectation. And so if someone in the church says something to offend me or to bother me, the solution is not to leave the church. The solution is not to say, you know what, this place is just full of like bad people. Well, actually, it is full of bad people. This, and, and you are also bad. So, so we are all bad. 
Okay, this is why we come here. Okay, so we shouldn't feel so sensitive to that if something happens where someone says something to me that bothers me that I have to leave. So we have many, many unex unmet expectations um, from people. What are my reactions whenever I have an unmet expectation from someone? One type of reaction might be a sense of frustration. I might just feel upset and frustrated that, that, that uh, the, whoever it is in my life is not treating me the way that I want. And I might keep this frustration hidden inside of myself, not saying anything, but deep down judging the people that are around me and, and feeling that I'm better than others. And actually this might make us feel very righteous. You know, here I am, I'm like a righteous person doing the right things, but all these people around me are not treating me right, are not doing the right things, but I'm better than them. And maybe I don't say anything, but deep down I have this sense of, of, of frustration. And this, um, this judgment that I make on people uh, will eventually come to a head, and eventually I will explode, and eventually I will leave these people because I will not be able to maintain this for very long. Believing that I'm better than others, believing that my way is better, that my philosophy is better, believing that, that everyone around me is wrong and I'm the only one that is right. Or I might explode in anger. I might be angry all the time, very, very impatient with people, very short with people, because I feel, again, like everyone around me doesn't know what they're doing. Everyone around me is irresponsible. I'm the only one that does the right thing. Again, maybe I have unmet expectations. Maybe I don't even see my own sins. Maybe I don't see that I myself fall into the same problems that they, that they do. I also, when it comes to unmet expectations from God, I might doubt God's love and His promises. I might doubt that God is good because my expectations are wrong. If I believe, like the prosperity gospel philosophy teaches, that God is going to uh, reward everyone who is a, a faithful believer of Him with wealth and money and prosperity. If I believe this wrong philosophy about Him, then when this doesn't happen to me, the only thing I can conclude is that God is not good. He is not a good God. Or maybe God doesn't exist altogether because the expectation I had of him was false. But if I actually read the scripture, which reveals to me who God actually is, then I will have no false idea that God is going to give me that kind of gift, because he never promises this gift. So we have to understand this. Why should we have good expectations? Because we know God according to how he reveals himself, not according to what my imagination might tell me or what my desire might be about what I want him to be. When I, when I have unmet expectations from people, I might also pressure people to meet my expectations. And this happens very often in marriage. One of the spouses in marriage is doing something that the other person doesn't like. So after some time of maybe trying to tolerate it, I don't tolerate it, so I try to put pressure on them to do what it is that I want. And this pressure can keep increasing, increasing, and increasing. Now, it's not to say that we don't share with each other and communicate with each other what it is that we want. This is essential in marriage. We have to communicate how we feel. We have to communicate all of that. But, but there's a certain point where I am just constantly putting pressure on this person to do something that they are unable to do. For whatever reason, something that might be completely easy for me to do, but this other person, it's very difficult for them to do because they're different. Their personality is different. They have different way of thinking, understanding. So again, in order to have correct expectations, we, we can't assume that the person in front of me is trying to harm me on purpose because they're doing something that bothers me. There's another reason why it's happening. We can try to discover what is that reason. But again, we have to, we have, to have an expectation of this person is only capable of this. 
This person is not capable of this. This person is only capable of this. Another reaction I might have um, to unmet expectations is I might distance myself from those people that do not meet my expectations. And when I begin to distance myself, I begin to be isolated. Because I begin to feel distancing myself with a lot of people. Because if I'm just an unrealistic person in general, then I'll find that I've fallen into this problem with every category and group of people in my life. Uh, people at work, people in my home, my friends, people in the church, whatever it might be. If I just have an unrealistic expectation of people in general, I'm going to find that that problem uh, kind of follows me around everywhere I go. So what are, some, um, what are some things that incorrect expectations reveal about who we are? One is, I might be an unrealistic person. Okay? I, might not, uh, I just might not set my standards right. What is, what is realistic? Two, I might be a self-centered person. I might always be thinking about what I want and how everyone around me can serve me and can give me what I want. And, and this is the source of my unmet expectations. Is because I always want people, that, like I'm the center of attention. Everyone just does whatever it is that I think that they should do. Um, when it comes to God, I might care only about what God can give me, and that is all. Right? I might care only about what God can give me, and that is all. There's, there's, I'm not thinking about sacrifice. I'm not thinking about serving God or obeying God. All I'm thinking about, God is a Santa Claus for me. I want him to give me this and this and this, and this is my expectation. And so because, he, because this is my expectation, when I don't get it, I, I become upset. Finally, I might not be aware of my own weaknesses. Okay? I expect too much of the people around me because I don't see how much I fail. I don't see how much I cannot even live up to the expectations that I have set for others. And if I'm blind to myself, if I'm blind to who I am, to my weaknesses, to the ways that I hurt other people, to the ways that I don't meet the expectations of other people, then I will easily set high expectations for others because I think that I am somehow the model and ideal friend and spouse and servant and whatever it is. I think I'm ideal. So it's easy for me to set expectations like that for others. Okay, how do we have right expectations? Okay, how do we have right expectations? If I expect that God is going to bless my work, then I have to work, right? Like I, I, I don't put everything on God. I say, if I want God to bless what it is that I do, then I must work hard. For instance, I don't ask God to help me to pass a test that I have not studied for. Okay, I, I, I have my, my expectations have to come from a cooperation between me and God. Two, I have to search the scriptures to better understand God and his promises. Because when it comes to God, my expectation is based on what he has revealed. This one thing about, sometimes we, we forget in Christianity, is that we don't know anything about God other than what he has revealed about himself. It is impossible for us to know anything about God other than what he chooses to reveal about himself. So if we read the word of God, and we read that he reveals himself in a certain way, this is all that we know about him. And this is, and this is what he is saying about himself. So, so again, back to the idea of the prosperity gospel. He does not reveal that he is giving us wealth when we are faithful to him. This is not something he has said. So I can't imagine in my mind and conclude, well, because God is good, and because wealth makes me feel good, then that means God is going to give me wealth when I am good. This is, this is, a, this is an extra step and conclusion that I make that's all in my imagination. That's maybe what I want it to be. But there's nothing that God says about himself that this is how he is. Number three, I have to communicate my expectations with love to those around me. Okay? 
It's one thing to have unrealistic expectations, but even when I have realistic expectations, those expectations will not be met unless I'm communicating them to those that are around me. If people around me don't realize I have certain expectations, let's say again, my expectations are not unreasonable. My expectations are very reasonable, but I just keep them to myself. And I assume that the people around me know exactly what I want and what I need and, and what's required all the time. Well, what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of disappointment because I haven't successfully and effectively communicated what my expectations are. Maybe the people around me are very eager to meet my expectations. Maybe if they knew what it is that I really wanted, then they would be very quick to do it, but I just haven't communicated to them. Number four is that I have to reevaluate and adjust my expectations often. Expectations are not something that we set once and it's done. No, expectations are something that we have to always be adapting around to the people around us. So for instance, when it comes to like uh, expectations of our children, our expectations of our children change as the children get older and they're capable of doing more. Maybe the expectation of my spouse changes as we grow more together and we know each other more. Different expectations are not set in stone, but can be adjusted and be flexible in order to accommodate the people around me. Five, we have to always be realistic. What is realistic? What is something that can actually happen that is within the power of the person that is with me and that is not overbearing or burdensome to them? Something they can actually achieve. Because if I expect from them something that cannot be achieved, then, then, then I'm just going to set myself up for disappointment every time. Right? Let's say the person that I'm with has some kind of like, like mental, is mentally disabled in some way and I'm expecting them to do something they cannot do. There's no way that they can do it. The last thing is what? Setting our high expectations from God alone or setting our hearts on things above. In Colossians 3.1 it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Meaning in the end, God is the only one that, can, that will never truly disappoint us. Anytime we feel disappointed with God, it's because we have a wrong understanding of Him. We have a wrong expectation of Him. But He will never actually disappoint. If we truly know Him, and we truly understand Him, He will never disappoint us because He will always give us what is good, even when that good thing is maybe something we don't know what it is. So even if all of us can disappoint one another because of our weaknesses, God alone can never disappoint. And we always have to remember that, that, that my final comfort and my final satisfaction and fulfillment comes from God and not from any person. So in conclusion, Christ was setting the expectation for his disciples. What is it that you should expect to happen? You should expect me to die. Don't have a wrong idea in your mind that I'm not going to die. Don't have a wrong idea in your mind that I'm going to somehow skip over the crucifixion and the crucifixion is not going to happen. So that when the crucifixion happens, you're not shocked or surprised or think that somehow everything has failed or that it's not going according to plan. No, everything is going according to plan. It's just not maybe the plan that you thought was going to happen. Okay. So when we suffer, when we suffer, um, from unmet expectations, we have to ask ourselves, is this something that's the fault of the other person? Or is it something maybe that's my fault for setting a wrong expectation from the beginning? So may God grant us the ability to set good expectations so that we would always have smooth relationships with one another and glory be to God forever. Amen.